This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Well, good morning. Um, Nielsen is proud to sponsor the Brand Impact Track here at the Podcast Movement Conference. Nielsen provides podcast publishers, ad sales networks, agencies with their data, your advertisers required to evaluate their podcast investments. Our solutions include our popular Scarborough podcast buying power, as well as our podcast ad effectiveness studies, which will be discussed today. So now I'd like to introduce the first brand impact presentation for the day as we're sponsoring this track. As we know, podcast space is growing in virtually every arena. Uh, more listeners are listening to more content more often, and the lucrative medium poses endless opportunities for brands and marketers to amplify their reach. Using insights from over 700 studies that we've conducted at Nielsen on podcast ad effectiveness, Nielsen's Arika McKinnon, VP of Brand Impact Solutions, is going to share with you podcast ads that have the ability to drive brand impact and how brands can effectively assess the impact of their podcast advertising and sponsorships. We're also happy to have Spotify join us on stage with John. So please welcome Marika and John. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bruce. We're going to try to use this mic. Can you guys hear me? One, two. Check one, two. Okay, so if I am like squimaging a little bit, it's because of the blinding lights. So it's not because I'm not happy to be here. It's just because I can't see you, but you can see me. How about that? All right. Well, it's so great to see you guys in person. For the past couple of years, we've been virtual, and you guys have been behind the screen. So it's nice to actually be able to hug and touch and see people. So uh, super excited to be here. Um, as Bruce just mentioned, uh, the next 45 minutes, myself and John get to really talk to you guys about podcast advertising and answer that $1 billion question, do they actually work? And John's going to talk to you guys a little bit about why they work, right? Why those podcast ads work. Oh, that's me on the screen. Great. So just a little bit about myself. Um, as Bruce mentioned, my name is Arika McKinnon. I've been at Nielsen for, oh my goodness, almost uh, 16, 17 years now. But I lead the brand impact area of the business. So you may ask, what do you guys do? Where well, my team actually uh, measures all of the ad effectiveness studies across multiple platforms. So not only podcasts, but branded content. So we have a pretty fun job. We get to listen to content all day and, you know, listen to podcasts and review branded content. So uh, it's not a boring job at all. Um, before we actually get into the presentation and really talk about the effectiveness of advertising on podcasts, I really wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about the current podcast landscape. So kind of understand who the podcast listeners are, what they're consuming, what they're buying, um, and then we'll get into a little bit about the effectiveness of ads and how we measure uh, those ads on podcasts. And then, like I said, my friend John will talk to you guys about why podcast actually works. So let's jump right in. Podcasts offer more value than ever. And the reason why, and I think we all know this in the room, there's more content than there's ever been. According to Nielsen's GraceNote data, um, there's over 2 million podcasts 
um, titles globally. And across those 2 million podcasts, there's over 80 million podcast episodes. That's a lot of content and a lot of content that people are consuming. And that just means there's content for everyone. And speaking of content for everyone, we also know there's more diversity in podcasts. According to our latest podcast buying power data, Asian American, Blacks, Hispanic, and people with dis disabilities, as well as the LGBTQ podcast listeners, indicated that they listen to podcasts on average of nine to 12 times a month. Not only that, female podcast listeners shared with us that they listen to podcasts more than 10 times a month. I fall in both of those groups, and honestly, I listen to podcasts because I have to, right? It's part of my job, but I really don't have that much time to listen to all that podcast, so um, it's great to see that people actually uh, consume a lot of podcasts on a monthly basis. And because of that consumption, also, we've seen in our studies that more people are engaged in podcasts. 53% 53, uh, 53 of podcast listeners are actually upgrading their podcast streaming service. So John, did you hear that? 53% upgrading podcast streaming service? All right, that's, you listen? That's, that's great, yeah. Good thing, Spotify. That's Spotify, awesome. 56% um, are also listening to more podcasts than they've ever listened to before. And 71% of podcast listeners actually indicated that they're able to recall a brand after being exposed to it on podcasts. And that's particularly important, especially for those marketers in the room um, and media planners. It's important because podcast is actually resonating with listeners and they're able to recall those brands that they are exposed to. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along in the presentation. And more importantly, money, 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 right? Show me the money. How do we monetize podcasts? And so according to the IAB, the U.S. podcast ad revenue is slated to hit $2 billion. Now, I remember being at the podcast movement a couple of years ago, and we were all talking about, oh my gosh, we're going to hit a billion dollars. We're close. Well, we've doubled that in revenue over the last two years, and um, the growth in podcast advertising is continuing to increase. Speaking of the growth, we also see that growth in podcast audiences remain strong, and especially over the past couple of years with COVID, right? We were all stuck in our homes, so for some of us who are obvious, we decided to create a podcast. So, of course, that's why we see more content. And then for some of us, we were like, look, I need to find something else to do. So we were listening to more podcasts as well. A couple of months ago, um, Nielsen conducted a consumer lifestyle study to really ask people, when did you start listening to podcasts? How long have you been listening to podcasts? And what we found is that half of daily podcast listeners indicated that they started listening to podcasts just in the past two years. So again, that goes along with the more content that's out there, we're starting to see new people you know, come into the space and listen to uh, more content. As I mentioned earlier, there's over 2 million podcast titles out there. Um, and with that, in the same survey that I just mentioned, we also asked some of those listeners who said that, that they've just started listening to podcasts in the past two years, also about their frequency of podcast listenership. And not only the frequency, but how many podcasts they're, they're listening to. If you think about it, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you had that one podcast show that you were locked into, you love the host, it's your best friend, and that's it. Now people listen to about four or five different podcasts on average. And so the data is really showing us that the frequency of podcast listenership has increased, as well as the number of podcasts that people are engaged with um, has also increased. 
I love this chart because, again, about a decade ago, we see that, you know, podcast listening has, you know, increased and grow, grown over the past couple of years when it comes to listenership. But we've, we've also seen the diversity in podcasts increase. And again, this is particularly important because if you think about it, the content has increased. People are starting to create content for different people with diverse backgrounds, you know, whether you're a hobbyist and based on your likes. So it's really great to see that this uh, ethnic number has increased. Back in 2010, it was 30 percent, and it's grown by 13 percent over the last decade. I'm pretty sure if we would run this number today, we would actually see a higher number than 43 percent. And again, goes back as a testament to all the content that's out there and drawing in new people. When we talk about diversity, it's not only diversity um, by ethnic group, but we're also talking about age group. The reason I love this slide, and I'm pretty sure on a monthly basis, most of you guys see those podcast rank reports. What are the top genres? Well, we all know news, true crime, society, and culture. But this chart is really interesting, especially for marketers and media planners, because it goes back to making sure that you know your target audience, because the target audience is going to vary based on genre. Granted, news may be a top you know, genre. Granted, true crime is an interesting topic as well, but it's going to vary. So think about it. At 18, someone between the ages of 18 and 24, year, 24 is going to have different habits, listening habits, of course, different interests than someone who's 55 plus. So for instance, the first bars that you guys see in purple these are indices, and you actually see that um, podcast listeners between the age of 18 and 24 over-index um, in genres such as leisure, technology, comedy. And for leisure, you may wonder, like, what are some of those subcategories, right? Hobbyists, right? So hobby, automotive, gamers, video games, those are all the categories that fall under the leisure category. So it kind of makes sense. If you look at age 25 to 39, you see some new categories pop up, right? Now you see kids and family content. You see comedy, true crime. Again, interest change. Adults 40 to 54-year-olds, you still see kids and family, top genre over indexing, but now you see news, you see music. Um, and then Lastly, again, for age 55 plus, these are completely new genres, right, that you may not see pop up on one of those rankings as a high, um, as high content, um, but now you see government, religion, history. And again, this just goes to show you there's going to be different genres um, for different age groups. So this is very important to think about, especially as you're thinking about placing ads on different um, podcasts. One of the things that we've learned too, a couple of years ago, we were asking like, hey, we know people are engaged in podcasts, we know they're listening, we pretty much think the ads are working, but what happens after they're exposed? What are they doing? What are those actions that they're taking? So a couple of years ago, we decided to ask this question in one of our surveys to really get a sense from respondents, what actions do you plan to take after being exposed to podcasts? So we talk about CTA, right, that call to action. These are some of the things that uh, people indicated that they do after being exposed. You visit a website for more information about the product advertised. We took the survey in 2019. We also had the survey produced in 2022. And then in the purple, you see the percent change. So 31% increase based on those who indicated to us that they visit a website to learn more information about a product. 
Then we had uh, about 37% increase from 2019 to 2022 for those who said that they not only visited the website, but they went to the website to actually make a purchase or order a product or service, which is important, right? Because again, we want people to actually purchase those products and services that they're exposed to. Now, I have to be honest, this third one, I was surprised when I saw it. It was like actually called a telephone number to provide an ad. I was like, who's still using the telephone? Who's still actually calling the 1-800 number? But again, you think about direct to consumer, right? certain brands that you that you hear and say, oh, call this number for more information or call this number and use your promo code. But it was interesting to see that this was 57%. So I kind of laughed when I first saw this. Um, but lastly, visited a retail location to purchase product advertised. This is particularly important because we want to be able to drive people actually into the store, right? Brick and mortar to actually purchase the products and services that they hear on podcasts. So all of these numbers are definitely promising to see that um, it's definitely been an increase um, with people taking action after hearing a podcast. Well, speaking of people taking action and actually purchasing products, I think media planners, right, and marketers have gotten you know, pretty much gotten wind that they need to invest more in podcasts. So we're starting to see media planners really uh, shift their ad dollars to podcasts. As I mentioned a couple of years ago when I was here at Podcast Movement, we were just talking about, oh my gosh, we're going to hit a billion dollars in revenue. We can't wait. Well, we've doubled that in two years. And, you know, based on eMarketers data and IAB, they're actually projecting podcast revenue to be about roughly around 3.3 million in the next five years, which is almost a 38% increase in pod um, ad revenue which is promising, and I think that number is just going to continue to grow, especially as we see more brands enter this space. So not just direct-to-consumer business, but some of those big brands. Speaking of big brands, who are the top brands for podcast ad spending? So we lifted this data from our friends at Magellan, and as you probably can see, there's really no real brand names, but it's just the categories, so we want to protect the brands, right? Um, but as you can see, you got to get a good idea of how much spend is taking place. This report was pulled earlier this year that um, Magellan released, and we see about $77 million being spent from a telehealth company. So you guys want to guess who that telehealth company is? Uh, I'm not saying the name, protecting the innocent. Um, and then a TV network, very popular TV network, just shelled $28 million into podcast. Um, we see e-commerce listed here, recruiting site, insurance companies spending roughly $24 million with podcasts. The reason this slide, and I love this slide, the reason why this is so important is not just about the spin, right? The spin is important, especially when you have a telehealth company almost shelling out a billion dollars alone in podcasts. But it just goes to show you kind of the breadth of different categories, right? And verticals that are spinning on podcasts. Again, people thought it was just, oh, it's just direct to consumer, just DTC. No, we're really starting to see more brands enter this space. How do we know this? Because I work for Nielsen and we know everything. Um, so over the last couple of years, I've had the pleasure, like I said, of leading a team that is part of the podcast research. So we actually conduct brand list studies to really understand how effective those podcast ads are. We've conducted over 700 studies across 410 podcast shows across 350 different brands, not the same brand, and we've measured and tested over 1,800 clips. I say this all the time. Back in the day, I actually had a team of people that listened to every single podcast clip that publishers submitted. So we listened to a lot of content. So based on these stats, I would think we know just a little bit about the effectiveness of advertising.
you guys have seen this funnel before in some shape or form is the you know uh, infamous brand marketing funnel but what's really important about this is that you know, via our research, we realized that podcast ads drive top funnel awareness. And awareness is important, especially in the podcast space, because most brands who are advertising, what they're trying to do is leverage our platform to really build awareness. And based on the studies that we've conducted over the years, we see that based on the exposure to an ad on podcast, there's typically about a 15-point lift. So what does that mean? Let me explain a little bit how we conduct our research. We use a control-exposed methodology. What does that mean? People in the control group, which you see in that little yellow box over there on the chart, basically are people who consume, they listen to the podcast. People in the exposed group, they listen to the exact same podcast with the ad. So what we're trying to compare is like, hey, you know, Joe Schmo, based on you listening to podcasts, if you actually heard the ad, what is the increase or likelihood that you would be aware of the brand versus someone who wasn't exposed to the ad? And based on the information that we've gathered, we see obviously podcast ads are very effective in driving brand awareness. Not only are those key KPIs that we just looked at, those brand metrics, important, but it's also important to understand recall. Um, about three in four podcast listeners said that they were able to recall the brand name after exposure. And not only that, about 67% also thought that the podcast ad was a good fit with the content. And I'm sure over the last couple of days, you guys have heard a lot about brand safety. This metric is really important because you want to make sure that the ad that you're running across your podcast is really aligned with the content as well. So not only do we measure those upper funnel metrics, but we also like to look at those metrics by individual categories, right? To help our publishers really inform them and say, hey, you know, do you see higher lift in CPG? Do you see higher lift in technology? And what we see here, we just, you know, highlighted three categories, which is automotive, technology, and retail. We see that podcasting do a great job at driving recall. So basically, once you hear the ad, can you recall the brand name? And what we're seeing is that automotive really do, um, is a phenomenal job, any automotive ads, and really driving recall, but not only that, some of those other upper funnel metrics, such as affinity with a seven point lift, info seek intent with the eight point lift. So again, this is promising to see these type of lifts across multiple categories. So let's talk about our favorite thing, host red ads. If I had a dollar for every time we talk about host red versus non-host red, I'll probably have more money in my pocket. Um, but one thing that we know, uh, based on the research that we've conducted at Nielsen, that host res ads are effective, right? Um, one thing I do want to mention and caveat, because when we talk about host red ads, people just think, oh, it's just when the hosts read the ad. Well, it comes in many shapes and forms, right? Like, basically, basically, if the host is reading the ad, and it could be a live read, it can be a dynamically inserted read, it could be a host bake ad, you know? Um, so it just depends. But as long as that voice that you hear is the host or the talent, and that's a familiar voice, we consider that a host red ad. And what we see is that it definitely drives higher upper funnel uh, metrics, such as awareness, familiarity, info seek intent, as well as recall. So if you just think about it naturally, if you're listening to a podcast and it's the host reading the ad, nine times out of 10, you're not going to really drown out because you've been listening to that same voice. So you're automatically going to be kind of in tune with what the host is saying or the sponsorship that they're reading. One of the other th great things about podcasts, too, because I don't know about you, but I feel like all of the podcasts that I listen to, I'm like best friends with the host. Like I have this relationship with them. They don't know me, but I know them. Um, but it's because they're likable. 
nine times out of 10, we feel like they're credible, right? I don't think you're gonna listen to someone every day if you don't feel like they have credibility or they're not funny or you don't like them. So these are some of the positive attributes that we see in our studies too, um, which is really great to share, especially when you get some of those attributes that might not be so great and you get to share those with you know publishers as well. But for the most part, the reason why podcast ads work is because of those host read ads. Let's talk about ad recall. I mentioned this earlier, and recall is important, but we wanted to look at recall from a perspective of looking at the performance by different features. So not only do we gather information on driving those key KPIs down the brand metric funnel, but we also like to understand just some of the features of podcasts, such as brand mention, placement of podcast ads. So let's take a look at that. First up, brand mentions. What are brand mentions? So basically, anytime the host or the talent mention the brand name. Um, and what we found is that recall is the highest when someone is mentioning the brand at least eight times. And I, I'm sure everybody's like, gosh, that's pretty high. That's pretty intrusive, right? Next time you listen to a podcast, count the number of times a brand is mentioned. You'll be surprised. Sometimes that brand is mentioned five, six, seven times. And what we see, that frequency is key. So for instance, if I say, Arika, 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 I promise you tomorrow if someone says Arika, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I know that name. I heard her. I heard about her. Or I remember that name. But if I just say my name once, someone asks you, who is Arika? The next day, you're not like, I don't know that girl. So just think about it. It's the frequency, and it works the same way with podcasts and brands. Ads longer than one minute actually drive ad recall. So... I want to caveat here. It does not mean that 30-second ads don't work. They're great. doesn't mean that 30 seconds to 59-minute ads do not work. They're great as well. You can see by the numbers. But what we realize is that when you have an ad about a minute long or a little bit longer, those ads definitely drive higher recall. Why? Basically, what I just said is those brand mentions. The, more, the longer you have to talk about a particular brand, the more you have to you know, the longer you have to talk about the quality, the features, and the more times you can mention the brand name, and that helps with the recall. Placement is important. So we've talked about a lot about placement over the past couple of years, how, you know, mid-rolls reign supreme and pre-rolls. Well, these numbers are fairly close, but what we see when it comes to the recall metric um, is that pre-roll ads do a really great job compared to some of the other placements for recall. And if you think about it, as soon as you put on your headphones or your ear pods and you're listening to your favorite podcast, when you hear sponsor by, nine times out of 10, you're probably going to remember that first brand that was mentioned before you listen to the content. So I think this is why we're starting to see that number a little bit higher. But again, doesn't mean that mid-rolls and post-rolls aren't effective. And then lastly, host read ads also tend to your higher recall. Again, I mentioned this earlier, your favorite host automatically starts talking about a brand and describing the product and service, you're kind of locked in, so more than likely you're going to be able to recall that brand name. So that was a lot in 20 minutes, right? So what are some of the key takeaways here? Take, a, yeah, take your phones out, take a picture, there you go. Cheat sheet, all right. Podcasts reach everyone, including different ages, ethnicities, and interests. We also know that podcast ads spending is on the rise, and we continue to see that number go up in a couple of years. We'll hopefully hit $3 billion. We also know that exposure to podcast ads drive upper funnel metric lifts. And then we also realize that, you know, by our research, that certain categories are better at driving brand lift at different parts of the funnel. Also, we talked about host red ads. We know they work, right? And then lastly, ad features like brand mentions, ad length, placement, ad type, they have a sweet spot in driving brand recall. So I hope you guys learned something. I'm not gonna give you a pop quiz because I've talked to you about 
the effectiveness of ads. Now John's gonna chat with you guys about why those ads work. Thanks, Erica. That, I, think I, the, I think you get it after I, you said it three times. I think I got your name. Yeah, I think I got it. I think I got it. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for coming this great morning. Uh, this seems like we have a great, lively crowd here. I see a lot of energy sort of trickling through the room. Trickling is probably the right word. Um, my name is John Gibbs. I run Advertising Sciences at Spotify, and I'm psyched to be here. Um, so the, I'm going to ask one really, really, really basic question today and try to give you one really basic answer today, and that is, why do podcast ads work? We have um, spent some time earlier today, and we've spent time yesterday, and folks spend time all the time talking about the fact that podcast ads do work, but we want to talk about why they work. So first question we're going to answer is why do podcast ads, uh, why do podcast ads work? And then second, kind of to build off what we were talking about before, what are the role of hoster ad assets in the effectiveness of podcast advertising? This is a topic of conversation. We want to dive into a little bit to it. So first, we know podcast advertising works. We just went over that. We know that about 50% of listeners say that at one point uh, after listening to a podcast, they've taken some type of action to be able to go buy something, search for something, et cetera. And then when you take a look at our, our Nielsen norms benchmarked against the entire industry, we're doing quite well. Uh, we're showing three-point lift in familiarity, uh, six-point lift on affinity, six-point lift on InfoSeek, five-point lift on purchase intent, and five-point lift on recommendation to intend, uh, recommendation intent. Uh, and those are all uh, at or above uh, industry norms. So we're very, very pleased with the way that ads are performing right now in the Spotify environment. Okay, we get it, we got it, we know this works. But why? Why does podcast advertising work? So before I tell you the answer to that, I want everybody to close your eyes for a second. We're going to do a little cl eyes closing exercise. And I want you to think about the last time you stepped out of your house, popped your ear pods in, and you heard your favorite podcast host. Now I want, to think, I want you to think about how that felt, how your brain felt, how your heart felt, how you emotionally felt at that moment. That's what I want to capture. So open your eyes. So because we're Spotify and because we can do stuff like this, we decide to look inside people's brains to figure out exactly what is going on during that moment. We would love to know when you have that moment, that moment when you're really connecting with a host, what's going on inside of your head. So we talked to about, we talked to, we scanned about 624 people, about 1,000 hours of music, about eight, uh, sorry, about 10,000 hours of music, and about 9,000 hours of podcasts. This is all benchmarked against all other media types, so we could understand how podcasts operate generally in the world. We found that there's a fairly clear process for the way that memory is ingrained, particularly with audio content. First, the content itself breaks through, and then the value and the engagement of that content, the degree to which that somebody is listening and gets that emotive connection to the content, that's transferred to the ad. That drives our ad memorability, the ability to remember the ad, and that ultimately drives our ability for the ad itself to break through, for you to feel some kinship to the brand that's actually advertising. And what we found when we actually started doing this analysis is that this transference that we talk about is actually very, very, very unusual for podcasts. So that 0.64, that number that's sitting there, that number doesn't really matter except for the fact that it is around the same range as most other podcasts. Um, it is slightly lower than music and slightly higher than all other forms of media. And this is the degree to which your brain is engaging in the content as you are listening to it. 
Now, typically what happens when you have some form of transference is that after somebody engages the content, your uh, engagement with the content itself is then transferred to the ad. So if you're super into the content, you'll be super into the ad. Typically, like with anything like this, there's a little bit of decay, right? Like you're listening to a show, you're having a great time, host says there's an ad break, and you kind of trail off a little bit. So typically, in that process of transference between content engagement and ad engagement, there's a drop-off. In podcasts, it's the exact opposite. You're actually picking up more engagement during ads than you have in, the content, in content, which doesn't happen in any other media form. So again, if we keep walking through this path, content engagement to ad engagement to ad memorability to brand breakthrough, we find is that we look across the board, again, our ad engagement numbers are quite high. This leads to a high degree of memory encoding. In other words, you're remembering the content, it's really sticking with you. And then finally, this really, 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 really high brand breakthrough number. People really associating with the brand, people really connecting with the brand. And again, something really strange is happening here. That number should not be higher than the ad engagement number. There is no reason why people should remember a brand more than they're engaging with the ad itself. So something is weird, something weird is going on here. There's something weird about podcasts. What could it possibly be? What could that thing be that is so weird about podcasts that happens in almost no other media? Is it host right ads? Are host right ads the weird thing that happens in this media that doesn't really happen in any other media? Uh, it's not host right ads to answer the question. Host right ads perform, at least in this data, just about as well as any type of um, voice, voice talent recorded ad. The degree to which uh, users are engaged in the content, the, way that user, used to, the degree to which users are engaged in the ad, and the degree to which the brand breaks through is almost exactly the same, regardless of the ad type that you're actually looking at. What it is, what actually makes podcasts different, is not the host red ad, it's the fact that there's a very unusual pattern that we see in these four things. It's normally when somebody has a high level of engagement like we're seeing here, and a high level global memory, that transfers to a high degree of emotional intensity, which then goes to uh, memory detail. What's very, very, very unusual for podcasts is that the emotional intensity number drops off at the ad break. So what's happening? So our hypothesis is, is that what you're seeing here is a screenless moment that you are seeing the type of engagement that somebody has when they're no longer looking, when they're only hearing. And what's happening is, is that emotional intensity number is dropping, but in a very beneficial way. You're screening out all of the extra stuff. You're screening out all of the extra stressors, all of the screen fatigue that we talk about having so often in our lives. That doesn't happen in podcasts. And because that, your emotional intensity level drops, and your ability to take in new information, your ability to take in new brands, take in new advertising, is increased. And that is what's truly special about podcasting. And this is ultimately good news. It allows us to make some really, really, really good choices. And why do we have to make good choices? Because podcast, the podcast industry isn't really about one or two hosts. We know this. It's really, really, really hard to buy reach with one person or two people. If you want to buy reach, you have to buy a lot of people. You have to buy a lot of hosts. You have to buy well out into that long tail of content. And it's very, very, very difficult to do that if you have a host or an ad. And the reason why is you don't want, if you're concerned about brand safety, you don't want the 50th host down the 50th line giving your brand message to the market. 
You'd rather have control over that brand message so you can get the reach and you can get the scale that you want to be able to get to to all meet your larger goals. So we did some work with Nielsen to try to understand a little bit better of what the actual dynamics were that were happening underneath this type of engagement that we see. And what we should actually say about how we want to plan our advertising relative to these engagement levels. So two things really popped out. First, voice talent and host ads work differently, but perform similarly. And second, the, uh, the length of the ad is more important than we thought it was before. When we started doing this testing, we thought length was important. We didn't really realize it was as critical as it was. This research showed that it was quite critical. So on the top line, what really popped out of this is that when we actually take a look between voice talent and host rate ads, what we see is a couple things pop. When we look down host rate ads, we see familiarity and affinity popping. And we see recommendation and intent popping. Totally makes sense. You're close to the host. You have that emotional connection to the host. You get that familiarity. You get that recommendation. That comes. That makes sense. Now, what you don't have when you have that host read is the ability to go really, 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 really wide with a high degree of frequency. What you don't have when you do that host read is the ability to target the correct user at the correct time in the correct place. And that's what, our, uh, that's what retailers are using voice talent ads to do right now. Using network buys, they're beginning to do targeting that is much closer to the way that we see in the rest of digital. And through doing that, they're able to take voice talent and turn it into a transaction driver for them in a much more direct way than we're seeing elsewhere right now. And so this is where time sort of comes into play. We want to be able to take host red as one axis, host red voice talent as one axis. Another axis is how long the ad is. So is it a short ad? Is it a read? Is it sort of a mid-length ad? Or is it sort of that longer riff that we've all heard in a podcast ad where somebody talks about how, love, how much they love Magic Spoon for a good 20 or 30 minutes? These time breaks are important, and they really shape the way that we actually think about the strategy of how we want to be able to deploy ads and markets as an advertiser. So when we think about this, when we take these two different ad types, and we take these different length buckets, we end up with two different planning models and two different buying models that work well together. By the way, I found the picture on the left on the internet, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, what we have is two planning types. We have the head and the heart. What the head is, is uh, the ability to get and click with users on awareness level with a high degree of frequency everywhere they could be. We also see on purchase consideration with very, very smart advertisers using short, using short spots on a highly targeted way to be able to uh, drive purchase consideration. And again, with these under 30 second spots for the head. For the host read, for our heart, we again have this sort of more uh, affinity-based, recommendation-based type advertising. And for this, we want to use the longer spots. We want to use the minute-long spots, the long host rants, which can really drive that connection and that host connection. So where does that leave us? Podcast ads work. Thank goodness. Good investment on Spotify's side. We feel very good about that. Woo! Um, High engagement and a low emotional register seem to be what differentiate podcasts from other media, uh, specifically the ability to not have visual stimuli, but at the same time to be able to pick the thing you want. So you can pick the podcast you want, but you don't have the visual stimuli, and so you have that drawdown of the emotional reaction you have. And finally, voice talent and host reads both work. We can kind of stop that debate at this point. I think uh, most data has shown that there's a very small, even the data that you were showing was a very small percentage difference between the two. What we have to talk is about the best way to deploy those assets actively in market and the right length those assets should be to drive the maximum effectiveness. 
With that, I am done. I thank you all very much for your time, and I hope you have a lovely morning. Just to put in a quick plug, you know, get that question in like, hey, can we have your deck? Yes, if you do want a copy of the deck, uh, my email address is up here. Or feel free, if you want to learn more about our podcast solutions, to contact your Nielsen rep. And if you don't know who your Nielsen rep is, you can kind of come see me, and I'm happy to share my contact information with you as well. So enjoy the rest of your evening, and hopefully you guys, oh, yeah, questions. Yeah. I guess we're doing our own moderation here. Any questions in the audience? <laughs> I don't know. You can just stand up. I don't even know if there's a mic. Um, is there a, is there a... I can project. Okay, project. why don't you project? Project. Okay. And we'll repeat the question. <laughs> Do you have any data that supports how long an episode, uh, sorry, an ad would start negatively affecting the success of the ad? Do you mean how, how long the actual like asset would be before it actually... Dem yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, I mean, it, it, you, you do see, we, we're able to track particularly in our streaming ads what the drop-off rates are uh, in ads. For host specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so for host ads in those contexts, we definitely see drop-offs and skip rates the longer the ad goes. It doesn't necessarily diminish the effect of the ad because if the brand message and the CTA is up front, like the person can talk forever and it doesn't really make a difference. I mean, they might skip, but you still, the brand message still launches. So it's just a really, really important thing if, if you are directing hosts and they are gonna do a long riff to make sure they get that information up front because somebody is, as you're saying, you know, eventually bore of talking about Magic Spoon and skip through. Cool, thank you. Yeah, it's, that's a, it's, a, it's kind of a hard question to answer because um, it, it has a lot to do with the host and has a lot to do with the way that the host uh, wants to monetize the show. We haven't found like a golden ratio between ads and show length. What we know is that um, if ad units get too packed, in other words, like if there's too many creatives in a single, single pod, that creates damage. And we know that the longer the show is, that there is a decay in the show, and so there's gonna be a drop off in the delivery of the ads themselves over the course of the show itself. So there's those things to think about, but there isn't like a, you know, you can only have 10 seconds of ads for every three months of content type uh, rule that at least we've come up with. Erica, this has to do with one of the slides that you had up with um, podcasting motivating people to buy. It was like a 2019 slide to yep. today and those percentage increases. What factors do you contribute those increases to over that three-year time period? Yeah, part of it is the listening, right? We talked about it earlier, the more content out there, the more engagement people are listening. And so I think going back, and I don't have that slide up, but basically what we were showing is back in 2019, this is how many people say that they're actually taking an action, right? To go purchase a particular brand or service. Three years later, we're seeing those numbers increase based on, those numbers are increased because there's more listeners too that are engaging with podcasts and that they're saying like, hey, I've been listening to this podcast, I'm engaged in the you know content and the ad, so now I'm actually gonna take the next step forward. And some of that has to do with frequency too. So if you think about it, some 
probably two or three years ago, we hear some of the brands, they may only advertise once or twice, but now we're starting to hear more of those brands advertise across multiple podcasts, so they're resonating more with you. Thank you. You're welcome. Bright lights, bright lights, anybody on the side? <laughs> Yeah, so That's the, a good question. Yeah, how do we measure emotional intensity? Um, so what we do is we work with a company called NeuroInsights. Um, what they do is they basically put what looks like a brain cap filled with like sensors on top of somebody's head, and it's measuring the electrical activity of what's going on on your scalp uh, while you're listening. And so the way that emotional, emotional intensity is being measured in that case is the... Uh, is, the density of electrical signal that is being sent into the thing over a, a narrow period of time. So basically, the more stuff there is in a shorter period of time, the more intense it is. That's what my vendor tells me. I was going to say, how can we join that focus group? Can I be a part of that focus group at the pool cap? Sure. We've got, we got extra caps. Yeah, yeah. On, on, on our side, I mean, I think that for us, we, we were obviously interested in having a great creative on the platform and great assets on the platform, but um, and we do see innovation happening there. But in the in the near term, the way that we want to be able to drive uh, uh, ad engagement is by having smarter ad pods, by having ads that are you know playing in the places where people are going to engage with them, and also making sure there's companions in the app for somebody to engage with, right? So if you hear an ad and you look at the app, there is a CTA card there for you to press, so you can get more information. And there are visual and physical ways to be able to engage with the ads, which I think is going to probably become a next generation for the way that people are, are working with these ads overall. So while we're kind of peeling back this visual thing as part, of this, uh, as part of the description overall, there's still an element of how you want to engage with the advertising that we are going to want to drive, drive people back to the app so we can get the transaction or all that other fun stuff. Love the buttons. Love the buttons. Other questions? We, we, so we, we actually have looked at we've looked at host voice quite a bit as well as reader voice quite a bit. Um, we cannot find any difference in results based on the uh, perceived gender of the voice of the person who's speaking. Um, uh, initially, our hypothesis was there would be some alignment to the host, 
that does not appear to be the case. Um, so, I mean, I think it's more of a stylistic thing, and it's just a like, how do you make good creative uh, type thing, uh, rather than a you need to do you need to have just the right voice here to match with just the right voice there. It is a good question. Erica, um, one of my favorite. <laughs> Yeah, and our uh, podcast buying power data, and I think that's what you're referring to that we published last year, we do see that um, we talk about companion podcasts all the time, but how being um, exposed to a podcast can really help with social media influence, right? And now a lot of podcasters are using social media to you know, get more engagement for their podcasts. And so we definitely see that kind of helping the level of engagement, the more audience that you're bringing in based on you know, advertising, whether it's on social, social platform, you know, um, I guess I should say promoting your podcast on social platform and vice versa. You think about it during your podcast, a lot of people kind of advertise their social media, you know, platforms as well. So we're definitely seeing that kind of drive both ways. Um, haven't really looked at that data in the new podcast buying power, but it's probably still interesting to see that that's going to continue to increase as people use different platforms uh, to increase their audience. What about Spotify? Yeah, I mean, I think the only, you know, the only... I think the finding holds like that, 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 that it, I think that people who don't listen to podcasts find their podcasts elsewhere makes sense. Um, we have found that podcast promo works extremely well. Uh, Dave was Dave Zarab was talking yesterday during his panel about, um, Sean, do you remember what Dave's conversion rate was? Like, it was a high number, right? But it was a pretty high number. <laughs> well, so we, we see a fairly we see a fair, we see a fairly high conversion rate on our podcast promo data uh, for internal promotion. So it does seem, particularly for the um, for more active listeners, to be a very 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 strong way to be able to drive additional listening. And I mean, definitely social plat social, social media. platforms. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're at time, guys. But I'm sure you can find us after. Session two, if you have any other questions, and like I said, if you want a copy of the presentation, feel free to uh, send me an email. So thank you guys so much. Bye, everybody.